Safety Chick Rules, the podcast with incredible stories of survivors, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all with the mission to fight the bad guys. This isn't your ordinary true crime podcast. This one gives you the tools to live a safe and empowered life, fighting crime one tip at a time. Kathleen Gallagher, the safety chick here. Hey, recent stories in the news of drug-facilitated assaults made me want to do this show today. Awareness needs to be raised as to how important it is to watch your drink when you're out socializing and how easy it is to get drugged. Two North Carolina men visiting South Beach, Miami, were arrested and accused of drugging and raping a woman who later died in her hotel room. The victim was a 24-year-old woman visiting from Pennsylvania. The men are also accused of stealing the woman's credit cards to spend money on their trip in South Beach. Investigators are trying to determine whether the woman died of an overdose, possibly from a pill the men supplied. The Miami-Dade circuit judge that was assigned to the case, Mindy Glazer, expressed her concern about the accusation, saying he couldn't even pick up the phone to call police or 911 after they did whatever it is they did to her. That case is still pending. Druggings don't just happen to women, though. It's not just to commit sexual assault. Men can fall victim as well. A woman in Miami is facing charges after investigators say she plotted up multiple schemes to steal cash and jewelry from unsuspecting men across Miami-Dade County. According to an arrest affidavit, the woman met her victim at a rooftop bar and lounge. The two left the bar and went to the man's apartment nearby. The victim told police he and the woman started having a few drinks. And the arrest affidavit states, after a few minutes, they went into his bedroom where the victim went into a deep sleep. Hours later, he woke up feeling like he'd been drugged and noticed that his Rolex watch and $2,000 in cash had been stolen. With the woman nowhere to be found. So how can you protect yourself from becoming a victim? And what should you do if you think you've been drugged? My guest today, Trinka Parada, is one of the nation's leading experts in drug-facilitated assaults and the drugs the predators use to drug their victims. Trinka is a retired Los Angeles police officer. She served 25 years as a detective supervisor in street narcotic squads. She's a nationally recognized expert on the drugs Rohypnol, or Rufies, gamma-hydroxybutyrate, also known as GHB, MDMA, which is ecstasy, ketamine, which is special K, and LSD. In 1973, she was in the first group of women to become field certified as LAPD officers. Welcome, Trinka. I am so honored and so happy that you're on the show here today. This is, I could not think of anybody uh, more perfect to go over all these drugs than you. So, After hearing those stories, I'm sure you're rolling your eyes going, oh, my God, I've heard those stories so many times over all these years. But just to just to kind of give our listeners and viewers um, a background on this, what do you think are the most common drugs used um, in these drug facilitated assaults? Well, there's the myth that there's the three people talk about ketamine and GHB and roofies. But in fact, there's more than 50 that have been identified in these cases. And that's important to understand because each one has slightly different effects. It lasts for a different time in the body. And um, it just makes it that much more complicated. Anything that causes impairment, what happens when you take Benadryl? 
most people get sleepy. So even Benadryl, if you don't know you're taking it and you're drinking alcohol, uh, works. So there's a huge array of drugs and there's a huge array of effects from them. What, you know, we talk all the time and I've, I've got to tell the viewers how, how we know each other. So I used to have um, my own segment on America's Most Wanted. And years ago, we did a segment on how drugs get dropped in your drink because I had seen, remember that it was a Las Vegas TV show. I can't remember the name of, oh, it's called Vegas. That's why. And I remember that the plot was they, the guy was going around the pool drugging uh, people and they showed, you know, a guy dropping these pills. It looked like Alka-Seltzer, you know what I mean? Dropping the, and I'm like, that's not how it happens. And so I really wanted to show people how easy it is. And so we did this whole sting operation where we, um, this is for the viewers. I know Trinka knows because she was my expert on the show, but, um, so we had a, a bar and we filled it with extras and we had women come, um, thinking they were coming to a casting for a dating show. And I was the host of the show. And then we hired these guy, young, good looking actors and gave them little visine bottles or breath drop bottles and filled it with water because as we're talking about, GHB is, is clear, liquid, um, you know, odorless, tasteless, all, all that stuff. And so we had hidden cameras put up all over the bar and filled the room with extras and paired the, the, the couples up. And we had a cocktail table, a pool table and a little lounge. And we said and the guys had button cams. So I was upstairs um, in a control room watching this all develop on camera. And anytime the the guy would have a chance to you know drop something in her drink again it was just water but it shows you how you know she would the, some of the girls would put down their their drink and then go and play pool and then the guy would come up and you know hit it with the drops or the guy would go to the bar and put the drops um in in the drink and carry it back and hand it so it was it was so poignant to watch how easy it was for for the guys to put the stuff in the drink and the girls to just you know have no clue they thought they really were in a bar so it was it was quite the segment and Trinka was my expert on that segment all those years ago. And so anyway, Trinka and I have gone back and forth and she's taught me so much about the various date rape drugs and, and what they do. But in terms of cases that you've, that you've worked and, you know, this is the hard thing is, you know, you've told me again and again that it's, it's so hard because women don't realize they've, in, a, in many cases, don't realize they've been drugged, right? Until it's too late. And, you know, they're picked up for DUIs and, and you know, cops aren't realizing that, no, they really have been drugged. So fill us in a little bit on, you know, what you've seen over the years and, um, you know, the mistakes that, that you know, law enforcement and hospitals are making, not recognizing that vic the, the victims could be a victim of a, you know, Date rape drug. I know you hate that word, date rape drug, but um, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I know. Tell us why. You, let's start. Let's just start there. Drug. Let's just start that. Why do you hate you? You schooled me on this years ago, but why do you not like the word date rape drug? It's not about a date. Um, sometimes it's on a date. It happens on a date, but it's not about a date. It's about sexual assault and it's about drugs, and it doesn't always happen on a date. It can be your best friend who just really would like to have a better, you know, a more sexual relationship with you. It can be a complete stranger from across the room, or it could be a date. So the correct term is really predatory drug. And these same drugs are used, as you mentioned in the opening, for um, robbery, for credit card theft. Um, it doesn't have to be a date. 
Right. So, so let's go back. And I know I, I asked you about the, the cases that you've seen over the years. Um, can you t- t- tell us a, a couple stories, um, you know, cautionary tales, so to speak, of what you've seen over the years? There's such a variety of it. One thing I want to get across before I forget, we're so used to talking about the young woman that goes out to a party or to a club. But in the last few years, I've seen a lot of these where it's not that kind of a scenario at all. It's a 47-year-old woman um, at a conference, a business conference. In fact, one woman was in a, a foreign country. She was It was an international company, and she was the employee of the year. So her picture was blown up gigantic over the um, conference hall. And yet she was targeted by one of the top men in the corporation and was drugged and and sexually assaulted by two of the people that she was there with. I mean, that's not the usual scenario that people expect. So it can be any kind of a situation. One case I was dealing with here recently that just shows how subtle the approach can be. this lady, a guy that she had known from work, had asked her out a number of times, and she had turned him down. She didn't dislike him. She didn't think he was creepy, just wasn't particularly interested. And then he asked her again to go for a drink, and she said, well, okay. So he knew what her car looked like from the parking lot. So she goes to the bar. She got there first. She went in, and she ordered a drink. Um, he shows up. He comes in and says, oh, is that your car over there? And she said, yes. And he said, your car door is open. Well, she thought, my gosh, how could I have left the car door open? And she rushes outside, rushes to her car, leaving her drink sitting right there with him. And her car door is open. She left it unlocked, but not open. And she was embarrassed. She thought, how stupid could I be to leave my car door open like that? And remembers nothing from that point on. She ended up actually driving under the influence in a major traffic accident, almost killed some people, uh, has no recall. She even flipped the car over, complete rollover, and then continued to drive until she, for some reason, stopped and the police had been called. Um, that's the most unusual approach I've seen. Yeah. And, and who would think, who would expect something like that from somebody you know at work, especially? wasn't a stranger. Um, I'm so, so glad. She ends no, up trying to deal with that. I'm so glad that you did say, you know, that it, it's not just like a young girl out at a club because, you know, I speak all over the country and I have, you know, many different ages in my audience. And I, I say the same thing is that, you know, my ex-husband, 6'6", 250, you know, football player, he was in Vegas at a conference, had one vodka cranberry and, you know, felt so woozy. He said he barely made it back upstairs and he just face planted on his bed and woke up the next day. I mean, just out. So it is, it's, it's, you know, don't just think because you're not a party girl and you're not out there in the club. It, it can happen to anyone, anywhere. That's, that is the anyone, truth. Anyone, anywhere, any age. Any yep, age. Exactly. So tell us, you know, I think one of the, for me, one of the most poignant, uh, drugging cases was Natalie Holloway. Um, and, you know, we feel very strongly that they, they gave her GHB or whatever, and probably gave her too much. And she stopped breathing on that beach. And, and, you know, that that's where her, her life ended. That's the tale. Um, although we never really do know for sure, but explain to us, explain to the listeners and viewers, 
the effects of GHB and how that works and why they call it the, the great date rape drug because of the amnesia effect, why it's a, the perfect drug. Well, all of the drugs that are used for the most part, the number one aspect is amnesia. Um, that's the key thing that they're looking for is the victim won't be able to um, report it later and really give any details. Um, on top of that, of course, the, the impairment that gives the inability to give or withhold consent uh, or to protect themselves, to fight it off. Uh, roofies are a paralytic, so they actually prevent you from um, being able to, people describe unable to lift their legs or lift their arms because of this feeling of paralysis. That's how roofies work. GHB has a special problem. It is a sexual stimulant for many people. So the videotapes we end up with often look like the victims participating, which of course makes it impossible to get, sometimes to get the police or the prosecutor to even be willing to go forward with the case. Um, I've had so many with videotapes, I've had to say, no, wait, let's break down the tape. Here's this person that is falling down, that is bent over a sink with her head in the faucet and her one breast in the sink and one on the countertop and her knees banging against the sink. This is not a romantic consensual encounter. This is not a person able to give or withhold consent. And then later in the video where it appears that she's participating, that's the drug. The sexual aspect of GHB makes it look like she's participating. Ecstasy also has the sexual component. So in a classic case, we actually convicted a guy on some ecstasy cases. They're really tough because of that. You don't have that same type of obvious impairment from being drunk, intoxicated. Um, she said that she wasn't there. It wasn't a date. It was actually supposed to be a business situation. But he mixed a drink and said, be sure you eat the piece of candy that he had tossed into it, which happened to be an ecstasy pill. She was young and naive about drinking. Um, it was so sweet and fruity that she didn't think it had a lot of alcohol in it, and she ate the piece of candy. But her brain was very confused. Part of her brain was saying, I'm not here for this. I'm not here for this. This isn't right. But the other part of her brain was saying, oh, wow, that feels so good. Oh, every touch feels good. On ecstasy, we see people crawling on the pavement, caressing the, the pavement, going, oh, my God, it feels so good. Well, it's pavement. It's blacktop. So this young girl, was she was afraid to go ahead with prosecution at first because she felt so stupid that, you know, she was alert and conscious of what was happening, but it felt good. She couldn't stop the sensation. So we explained to her, you just go in there and explain to them what happened, how you felt, um, and I'll explain the drug. And he was convicted. Oh, that's great. And it is, I mean, Trinka, how rare is it to get these these cases prosecuted? It's really difficult. First, first place, people don't report them. Who wants to be the one that goes in, especially if it's a celebrity um, or some high profile sports star or something like that? I think somebody had sex with me, but I don't know who or um, I don't remember what happened. Um, you know, you have this vague amount of information. Who wants to be that person that can't explain it? And so many of them are never reported. Um, I dealt with a lawsuit against one police department where um, when she tried to explain it, the response from the female officer was, well, if you don't remember, what are we supposed to do about it? Well, it's called investigate.
Well, and that's why yeah. you, you, you have been doing this for so many years. And, and the great thing that you do, 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 do is go around the country and, and educate law enforcement, you know, first responders, all of that, because that's vital. You, you, you and I both know that's really where it all starts. You, you have to do the investigation, you know, some, if it, what is it? Walks like a duck, quacks like, you know, that, that whole saying it's, you know, and, and I appreciate you and the work you do bringing awareness to this because it is really difficult and really scarring on, on, you know, victims' lives. Well, what's really disturbing to me right now, though, is even a few years ago when things were better politically, um, so to speak, better times in terms of budget and stuff, um, after one class, a female detective came up and she said, this is our grade, but we're not allowed to spend that much time on a case. Oh, my gosh, that's it's an investigation. It's what you have to do. But right now, the problem is so many police officers are quitting. So many departments are down on manpower um, because of the turmoil of t the times. This is not a focus right now. And I'm seeing it in the in the effects and the aftermath of it. I'm seeing it in what the um, detectives are telling me. A couple of years ago, um, New York PD called me. They started a task force on drug facilitated sexual assault. I was like, oh, wow, that's so exciting. Well, they were going to set up training. We talked about it. Well, suddenly we had so much turmoil that as far as I know, and there was political upheaval there in that department. And I'm pretty sure that task force never happened because I never heard from them again. They were so excited. Um, so right now we're missing these. We're missing the time for detectives. With the pandemic, officers here locally um, weren't allowed to meet directly with victims. They had to do it by telephone. And they said it's so disheartening because you really can't relate to the person and you can't comfort them and console them um, as easily. But I wanted to say there's um, there was a campaign started um, called Start by Believing. Start by Believing was started by the In Violence Against Women International. And there was some pushback. Some people said, oh, you can't have detectives only believing the, the female. Well, that started a few years before, before the Me Too generation thing. Um, and there was some controversy about it. Well, here's my point. Here's how I look at it. So forget all that stuff about um, me too, or whether it's biased. The point is you start by believing that something needs to be investigated. No matter how crazy the story sounds, because these stories are confusing, sometimes weird. Um, you start by believing that something needs to be investigated. And then you follow the evidence wherever it takes you. And it may not go where you thought it was going to take you. But that's the point. Start by believing something needs to be investigated and then do your job. Just going back as, as to protect yourself as a potential victim, you know, what are some of the key elements to protecting yourself against being drugged? Well, it's, you know, it's like burglary. <laughs> if they want, if they want to get into your house, they're going to find a way. Even if you have a burglar alarm, if they really want your house, um, so you have to do what you can. There's no hundred percent guarantees, but you have to do what you can to protect yourself. So in these cases, um, 
you want to know who you're with, you want to know your friends and who you trust. Um, if you can, if you're concerned at all, uh, you may want to have a beer that you have to open yourself. You don't want it brought to you open uh, if you're really in a situation where that's a concern. Other than that, you know, you have to guard your drinks. Um, I have always said that I could drug your drink in your hand in a crowded bar. And I, we now have a video of that that proves that where she's standing there and she, you know, you got your drink in your hand and you're talking to your friends and you're swinging the drink around, but it's kind of off to the side. And a guy walks behind her and drops a pill in her drink. There was a concert. I saw um, a girl outside at a concert and they were videotaping it. And a guy came over her shoulder and dropped it in her drink as well. And, you know, there was another yeah. story just recently on TikTok where a waitress was talking about um, she witnessed um, a girl went to the bathroom and she watched the guy put something in her drink. And so she followed the girl into the bathroom and told her. And they called the cops and, and yes. he was arrested. We have a case in California that's still not finalized. It went through the prelim, but it still hasn't gone through trial where um, the, the guy just, you know, she goes to the bathroom and the guy just drops it right in her drink. And the barmaid, one barmaid sees it and goes and grabs a drink and tells him, oh, we did something wrong. We have to remake the drink. And the other one ran into the bathroom and told her. So they had her go back to the table. And oh, he was going to do a drug the second drink, too. They had her go back to the table, but they'd already called the police. And they said, whatever you do, do not touch the drink. Um, so they called the police. and The police responded and grabbed the drink. And he was arrested. He's being prosecuted right now. It's still pending. Um, it's just so easy. There was a case in Philadelphia. Philly Mag did a great story. Um, First, he did a story on a bar that did not have a video camera set up. Um, somebody had told the reporter about an incident where fell her drink was drugged. And, um, so they did a story about it. 19 people came forward and told similar things that happened to them. None had reported it to the police and there was no video. But the story brought awareness to the issue. So down the street, another bar that had a camera this guy comes in, it's a long galley type bar and the walls like behind uh, where the patrons are sitting, I guess that's where they walk in. But on that wall is a jukebox. So he starts chatting with this gal. He says, oh, why don't you play some music? Hands her some money. She turns her back to her drink and to him and she's putting money in the jukebox. He does the perfect furtive gestures, looking back and forth, reaches in his pocket, pulls it out, and reaches over her drink and drops it. Um, a former bartender from that location happened to see him. She runs over and grabs a drink, and the bartender says, what are you doing? I just made that drink. She said, yeah, and he just dropped something in it. So when the young lady turns back around, of course, she's like, oh, my gosh, I, 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 you know, she didn't want to call the police because nothing else happened. She didn't know what to do. So the bartender, unfortunately, dumped the drink, dumped the evidence. Uh, this awesome video. It's like he's so identifiable. It's great. And um, he um, goes, tries the offensive route. He goes to the police and says, oh, that's me in the video. But I didn't drug her drink. My hand was never near her drink. Well, in the video, it is. He goes right to it. So um, 
Unfortunately, though, they didn't have evidence of even the drugging part. And um, because the other, the gal intervened, nothing happened and he wasn't prosecuted. But it's a classic video. It's so amazing. Now. So right. here's the thing. So, you know what? If you suspect that you have been drugged, um, you know, I, I always use the the example of like, you know, if you can, if you know you have one or two glasses of wine, how you feel for me, because I'm Irish, you know, I can have a bottle. I have a hollow leg. I'm just kidding. But so the, the thing is, is, you know, you know how you feel after one or two glasses of wine or three glasses and, you know, you have one or you've taken a couple sips and you start feeling that woozy, you know, drunk, drunk right away, I guess is what I what I always try to say. But, you know, tell us a little bit more about what symptoms can, does someone feel, you know, you were talking about the ecstasy and, and that feeling, but, you know, what are the symptoms um, that somebody could be feeling that that has been drugged? The m most obvious, of course, is that you feel way too drunk too fast for what you've consumed, you know, that you've knowingly consumed. The problem is there's not necessarily a lot of time to do anything. But if you feel that you're with friends, say to somebody, stay with me. I, I think something's wrong. I, I, I'm too drunk or nauseated. GHB is one of the ones that cause a lot of nausea. Um, so you want to get to somebody if you can, if there's somebody there, you know. Um, it's easy to tell people go to the security guy or go to the bartender, except that they may have been involved, especially the bartender. So it's kind of right. Hard what is the percentage? I, I had that in my in my first book. What is the percentage of uh, druggings from bartenders? I don't know if we have a percentage, but um, it, it, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon that a bartender or a barmaid is involved um, with drugging the drink um, or helping target the victim, especially, especially if it's somebody that's not in contact with the victim. Um, it's a stranger across the room. Uh, so the bartender knows who he's interested in and he drugs her. And then when she starts, I'm you know, staggering, he pretends to be the good Samaritan and help her. Um, and so people around him think, oh, what a nice guy. He's helping her and don't realize that they're watching a crime in progress. But the complication is that some of these drugs, especially GHB, um, there's no warning. There is no warning. You don't feel you may feel that pending doom or that pending nausea or drunkenness, or you may not. You can, you may turn to go to the bathroom or turn to walk out the door to go home with absolutely no concern that anything's wrong. And then you simply have no recall after that. Um, and that's frightening. That's how fast oh, some of these. Terrifying. Are. You know, I remember you saying on our America's Most Wanted segment, um, a couple of drops of GHB are equivalent. Do you remember what you said to a certain number of beers with a sprinkling of PCP on the top? I'll exactly. You're saying that it's, you know, it's like having a couple of beers and then PCP, just a little tiny bit of PCP on top of it. It's a dissociative anesthetic, which PCP is. It's not just a central nervous system depressant like alcohol is. And it can have this blinding um, effect that just, boom, you're gone. Um, the big myth, the big myth about drug rape is that you pass out, and that's not true necessarily. A victim may be unconscious the whole time, part of the time, or none of the time. That does not mean your body's not functioning. 
So you turn to go to the bathroom and you start walking that way and the bad guy comes up to you. Oh, are you okay? It looks like you're, you know, are you, if you're not feeling good. Let me help you. And you're like, oh, part of your brain is asleep. And part of your brain is saying, oh, I need help. Something's wrong. And he walks you right out the door and you will walk with him, even though you've never seen this guy before in your life. That's what's particularly frightening about the videos. It is not true that if you were drugged, you will be unconscious and you don't know the difference. A classic example, um, we had a lady in Sacramento that went to a bar and she didn't drink anything before her friends got there. Um, then she had one margarita and then they were going to leave. And she remembers everything. She remembers getting up and walking out the door. She remembers walking toward her car and then she just remembers nothing. We know she was in the parking lot for a little while. So we think she may have been approached by somebody then or the drink that just before she walked out the door was drugged. It's a little confusing how it happened because she's in the parking lot for a while. She ends up driving away. She has no recall of getting to her car or driving away, but she drives out and crashes into a parked car. A citizen follows her and calls the highway patrol. She's arrested. She has no recall of the contact with the officers. She's taken to the station where she um, is booked. She, um, they draw blood. She's talking to and somewhat responding to the nurse who draws her blood, although she's very limited responses. Um, when she goes in the bathroom to do a urine sample, she falls down and passes out against the door. They have an awful time getting the door open and getting her out. They put her in a holding cell. And at some point, she, in her mind, wakes up. She snaps out of it. GHB can have a very, very sudden awakening, a very abrupt, you know, oh my gosh, you're just awake like you're shot out of a cannon is how they describe it. Um, and she turns to this woman who's sitting there and she says, oh my gosh, how, how long have you been passed out here? And the lady says, passed out? You've been sitting here talking to me for an hour and a half. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So the big thing about GHB and Rohypnol and the different drugs, as you always say, if you feel like you've been drugged, that something is not right, you need to get to a hospital immediately because the drugs don't stay in your system long, correct? Every drug is different. GHB, I consider GHB the gold standard in that, and I talk about GHB a lot in my classes, um, because it's the quickest one out of your system. So if we set our goal to catch a GHB case by responding really quickly, um, everything else is easy because those drugs stay longer. Blood is not the best sample, it's urine. I tell, if I do community presentations, I'm tell them, I want you screaming, I want you at the hospital or the police station as fast as possible. I want you screaming, I want to pee in a bottle now. If they want to draw blood later, fine. If they want another urine sample later, fine. But you want them to take a urine sample as soon as possible. Um, and I would say if you have to, find a nice clean paper cup, pee in it, hand it to the officer. Right. Give him my name, he can cuss at me. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the thing is, I want to, I, I, we've had this discussion before, but in hospital rape kits, when a, a person comes in, you know, as a rape victim, do they test? Do they do a urine sample? Do, do they test for, for drugs? Well, traditionally, they took blood 
Um, and then urine was only taken if there was specific requests from the officer or, you know, gradually it's been included more often for that reason. But still, there's some sexual assault kits that don't automatically include it. We changed that, you know, in much of California, we changed it to where you automatically want a urine sample. But um, that's why I want victims to know urine is the best sample. That right. forensic sample, that's what we need. What people don't understand is when you go to the hospital, they may take a urine sample that they use for uh, diagnostic purposes. So they take a urine sample and they test for certain things to see if you're okay, uh, if you're pregnant or whatever, given the circumstances, but it's not for law enforcement. So that first sample sometimes is then thrown away once they test for what they're going to test for. And then later they take a urine, have a urine sample taken for the sexual assault kit. And we've, you've lost time. You want the first sample to be saved. You want the most, you know, the quickest possible sample to go for forensic purposes. Um, how can you, how can you go? I mean, and again, the poor victim is like, he's completely out of it. It's just been sexually assault, but you, you know, you've got to fight for your right to, to get evidence to, to prove. Got to advocate for yourself. Advocate yeah. for yourself. And it's, and that's why it's really important that we're doing this show to all the listeners and, and viewers out there. Hear us. Because the other thing is safety in numbers. I mean, you got to have each other's back. You don't, you know, it is, it is not a smart personal safety choice to go out by yourself drinking. It's, it's, it, it raises the chances of you, you know, something happening to you because criminals right. it's and not predators. Victim blaming. Some people, some people, no. it's not, it's, you know, you don't leave your front door sitting open. Thank you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so you don't step out in front of a train. House. You don't, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's just about making smart personal safety choices. And we exactly. know, we know what criminals look for. Criminals look predators look for the easiest target. And Absolutely. unfortunately, it's a woman alone at night. I mean, it is what it is. It's not victim shaming. It's not can't we walk? Look, you know, predators it's not about men. It's not about, you know, men. It's not. It's about a predator. It's about a criminal. It's about a, a, a deviant that, that does this. So you can't and, and lump everybody had, in. We've had partners where it's a male and a female. Right. Um, where they, the victim, the female may actually be the one that approaches the victim because that's less of a threat. And she may be the one that drugs them. And we've had them where they engage in sexual activity with the unconscious victim or the messed up victim anyway, and then pass it on to the male. So yes, it's not just uh, right. being afraid or worried about men. One of the cases I had recently um, involved a dating app. I've had cases with both male and female dating app situations. Um, in the female situation, you know, if you, you talk to this guy online and you're going to meet him in a public place, yes, but in a public bar, which is exactly where this stuff occurs. So maybe, you know, you have a friend that could just be in the background, either with you or in the background having a drink to see what happens. So she got, she was, her drink was obviously drugged. She ends up um, happy and out dancing with everybody on the dance floor. And this other guy hooks up with her that supposedly isn't connected to the, the guy she was uh, meeting. 
And the guy she was meeting later said, well, she wandered off of this other guy. She didn't seem to be that interested in me. Um, so whatever. So she doesn't recall ever seeing this guy inside the bar or talking to him or dancing with him. But she ends up in the video walking out the door with the guy in the plaid shirt. Um, the only recall of the plaid shirt that she has is a brief recall of being down on the dock on the wooden floor on her back with the plaid shirt on top of her. But she has no recall of seeing that plaid shirt in the bar, but we know he was from the videos. Um, wouldn't it have been nice to have had just a friend, maybe a couple that was going to go out and have a few drinks that night anyway, just be in the background. Exactly. And maybe they would have known you're getting way too friendly and way too happy here. <laughs> you know what it is? I, I did, just did a thing on Daily Mail about online dating tips. And I always say, look, you got to FaceTime, you know, stay on within the app. Don't give anybody your personal information in, in your cell phone or anything like that until you really get to know the guy. And they're saying like at least five video chats within the dating app, at least five. And when you do go to finally meet the person in the day, in the middle of day at a coffee shop, you know, that's the thing about dating. You know, we all know mix strangers and alcohol and right. bad things happen. So, you know, it's just, again, making smart personal safety choices. What was the other dating um, case that you were talking about? Well, it was a, a gay situation. Um, and they met on a gay dating app. And, um, well, it's complicated by there are actually two separate cases, same suspect. Um, the first young man didn't, um, he, he met him on Flickr and um, went there as a first date, first meeting, but said he wasn't there to have sex. You know, he was just there to the first meeting, just like, you know, she was. He wasn't, it wasn't a, um, let's go have sex. It was, let's meet. So he gets drugged in the, but he went to the guy's apartment and he got drugged. He was, he went to the police, but he was reluctant to prosecute at first because, you know, he felt everybody would say, well, you're gay. And he went, he met him on Flickr. It's your fault. And so he was reluctant. Well, in the meantime, a young man that worked with this guy had broken up with his girlfriend and he was really heartbroken. But he wasn't old enough to drink in a bar. And this guy that he worked with that he knew was gay said, well, you can come to my house and feel safe. You can have a drink at my place. So he went. He actually went so far as to take his brother as a designated driver so that he could just get drunk and act stupid um, and, you know, lament his loss. And then his brother would take him home. So at some point, his brother stepped outside to talk to his girlfriend. And when he went to come back inside, the door was locked. <laughs> and he's like, oh my gosh. And he's banging on the door. He called his brother's phone number and he could hear the phone ringing, but nobody was answering. Nobody was opening the door. He even called the police and they banged on the door and call on the phone and nothing happened. And they said, well, we can't just break in. Apparently they locked you out for a reason. So he finally went home. Well, when his brother snapped out of it, it was a classic GHB case, classic four hour time loss and classic symptoms of GHB. He called his brother and said, why did you go off and leave me? He's like, 
tells him what happened. He went and picked him up. He went to the police station and made a report. The bizarre thing about the suspect in this case was he testified like the spider to the fly. He used that term. Uh, he came, they came to my apartment. So I could do anything I wanted. That's how it is. Um, he kept saying time and space, time and space. They gave me time and space uh, by coming to his apartment. So this was really, um, and he actually videotaped the um, the young man who was straight. And so we did go to court and we just couldn't believe his comments that he the brazenness, had, he just the, yeah, the <laughs> brazenness and the predatory nature. You know, the reporter, after I testified, when he testified, we were astounded that he testified. And then on top of that, he simply confessed. And um, the reporter turned to me and said, did he just say that? <laughs> said, yes, he did. <laughs> we love it when they do that. We love it when they do that. Oh, yeah. And the you arrogance. couldn't understand how he got uh, sentenced to, you know, all those years in prison. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Thank God. Um, so just to kind of wrap things up, um, you know, again, it's not about scaring people out there. It's about th th these are real life issues. This really does happen quite a bit. And so, you know, how do you protect yourself? How do you protect yourself? Well, you start with the whole safety and numbers thing. Like you said, I mean, these predators look for their opportunity spider in the fly, whatever. And so, you know, everybody out there, when you're, when you're going out, make sure that, that you, you go together and you all come home together. That's the key. If I see one more drunk girl stumbling out of a bar at three o'clock in the morning and ending up weeks later in a ditch somewhere, I'm just like, what? You know, we need, as women, we have got to have each other's back. You cannot leave your girlfriends, no matter how cute the guy is, no matter who you meet. I mean, save that for later. Yeah, actually, absolutely. Do you remember the history of the bar where we did the, the show for America's Most Wanted? Do you remember the history? The, the Was it the bat? What? No. Remind me. The same place, the very same bar before you did the show. Um, four girls went to three girls went together. And um, they were going to watch each other's back. Well, what does that mean? Watch each other's back, right? So the first girl sees a friend across the room and she goes to talk to her friend, wanders off away from the other two girls. The um, other two girls, this guy, he's flashing big money and he's buying drinks and he buys um, her friend a drink. She turned it down, but the, the one friend took the drink. Next thing she knows, her friend is hanging all over this guy. Just completely different behavior than consistent with her. And she walks away from her to go get the other girl across the room. And when they come back, guess what? She's gone. She's gone. That That's was the, right. limo, the limo rapist. He took her out the door into his limo and took her away. Uh, he was good for a number of rights, and we ended up catching him. That was at the same location where you Isn't that crazy? And that bar, you know, it's one of those bars that has many different levels. It's so easy to to get lost in there. That is that again. Watching your back, watching your back means seeing that person's back. Though. Yeah, exactly. That means like, yeah, being right there. But who would think? I mean, again, you know, you're in a crowded place. You, you've got friends around you. You've got people around you. But- that's the point. It's like you have to have your wits about you 
when you when you go out into situations like that and you hear it time and time again. And again, the thing for me that drives me crazy as the safety chick is watching those young girls, like the girl that got into the wrong Uber. It wasn't an Uber. It was a guy and he ended up killing her. You know, those the, those kinds of incidents can totally be helped if you just, again, plan your dive, dive your plan. Okay. You guys are all going out, all going to have a good time, but make sure that you truly, not figuratively, have each other's back and make sure that everybody gets home safely. So in your, in all your years of great and incredible work, what is, I think, what is the one case that really stood out to you that really kind of shook you to your core? Well, I think the um, the Andrew Lester case was <laughs> was pretty bizarre. Um, you know, he actually sexually assaulted women who were perfectly willing to have sex with with him voluntarily. He um, and some of them did. That's the ma- that's and the yet, max factor error, right? Right, the error to the max factor, max factor. portion. Right, um, Andrew Lester. Right. He. Um, you know, he actually preferred having sex with a semi-comatose victim. And there's one video of him standing in front of an unconscious victim in the back saying, rubbing his hands together and saying, oh, wow, there's a beautiful strawberry blonde passed out for me to do whatever I want to with her. And, um, you know, people that, women that he, one woman lived with him and yet he was still having sex with her when she was unconscious that she didn't know about. it, it was a bizarre case in every way, and yet the good thing about that case was that the detectives were right on. It was a textbook case of everything done right, given a really sick predator. Um, so that case has always been the classic of a terrible thing that can happen, and yet being done right. Those guys, you know, they did the right thing. They had a, a pretext phone call where he actually admitted some of it to the girl. Um, and we do that a lot with victims with these cases. Um, even if you don't get a full confession, sometimes they'll tell her, oh, baby, nothing happened. No, no, no. You just got really drunk. And, you know, well, I took some of your clothes off so you would be more comfortable on the couch, let you sleep it off. But nothing happened. Well, then when he finds out that she's gone to the police, now when the police talk to him, he goes, hey, you know, it was consensual sex. Oh, really? Because she told you she didn't remember and you told her it didn't happen. Now you've got a conflicting statement, which is sometimes almost as good as a confession. Right. So that was was really an amazing case of how they handled it. And we had our best expert that testified. It was just an awesome case. Well, let's hope, you know, as you continue the work that you do and we continue to get the word out every any which way that we can, that there is awareness more awareness to the subject because I, I kind of feel like, well, and, and again, with the pandemic and everything shut down, I don't, I don't think it's really been on top of mind, but now everything's, you know, now that the country's starting to open back up again, now that, ki- you know, ki- college kids are getting ready to go back, you know, back to the campuses and, you know, people are so gung ho and ready to get out on the town, but it's been, you know, it's been a while. So I think a lot of people have let their guard down because they're so used to being at home, being safe. So these are just general reminders of, hey, there's still predators out there. 
more now because they're letting criminals out on a huge basis because of COVID. So, exactly. you know, this is a different landscape that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Well, just before the pandemic start, you know, really shut everything down, just before I, there was a big case that broke in Northern California where they were finding a particular bar that uh, a lot of this stuff was happening. And there was a big story about it. And then, of course, everything shut down. But there's one thing I really, really want to get across to, especially at the college age thing. We always talk to the young women um, for the most part. And I think we need to spend more time talking to young men about one, don't become a predator. Um, being a sexual um, predator is a heavy jacket to wear for the rest of your life. You might want to reconsider, <laughs> you know, that becoming a predator and being a, a registered sex offender. Um, but also that males can be victims too, in exactly the same ways. and. There is also the issue of false allegations. Yes, it does happen. I have dealt with three or four young college men whose life were turned upside down by false allegations, consensual sex that later became, um, she, one was mad because she found out after they broke up, he was dating her best friend. And she went after him. And even with un, unable to prove the allegations, there was nothing to prove them. Um, he was thrown out of college. So young men also need to understand they have to protect themselves. You know, this whole hookup stuff of casual sex with no commitment can really go sour. Absolutely. I have a case in Peru. I have a case in Peru of a naive 15-year-old who engaged in a hookup, but when things went wrong and, and she got mad, it became a sexual assault allegation. And it's despite 15, a 15 years 15. old, oh. despite a complete, complete lack of evidence that she was drugged. I've never had so many witnesses and not a single one of them substantiate her. And yet they're still prosecuting him. That's crazy. You know, so, and that's, yeah. yeah. We you, need to talk to young men about that risk. You bring up a really, a really, really good point because. Look, extremism in any form is bad and the pendulum swings back and forth. And I, I too, actually know of a couple of cases where um, that same thing happened. And, you know, I have three boys and they were all college football players. And I know of a couple of cases where their team, a couple of their teammates got got into some trouble, not because of false allegations. And it did. It destroyed one kid's life thrown out of school, you know, never been the same. So. There are. uh situations like that as well. But anyway, I, I just, I just, I'm really glad that we covered this today. Is there anything else that you can think of that we want to share before, before we go? Just, you know, I think the most important thing is to advocate for yourself. If you think it happened, get forward as soon as possible and demand a urine sample. Absolutely. You know, it's the best way to do. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so great seeing you and um, we'll talk soon. <laughs> Okay. So, of course, we have to follow up with my safety tip tips on this one. And, um, you know, this, because I did do so much research and, and did that segment for America's Most Wanted, and I have seen the lives, that, the, the havoc that being drugged, um, you know, and, and being sexually assaulted or, you know, robbed, same thing. I mean, not the same thing, but same thing in terms of being a crime victim after being drugged is so traumatic. So really raising the awareness. And when you're out on the town, 
You gotta be aware of your surroundings and you have to watch your drink. So here, let me read you some safety chick tips. Um, number one, never leave your drink unattended. If you have to go to the restroom, bring your drink. If you hit the dance floor, bring your drink. If you're you know, immersed in conversation, hold your drink right in front of you. And as you remember, Trinka said, she's seen with her own eyes, you know, uh, you can be holding your drink, but not looking at it and someone can easily um, drop something in there. So, you know, really keep it right in front of you and keep your hand on it, especially if you're in a, in a really uh, crowded, close situation. Um, never take a drink from a stranger. Um, you know, fraternity parties, uh, you know, you're at a bar, some guy buys you a drink and he, you know, hands it to you. You never take a drink from somebody that you haven't seen being poured or, you know, the best Trinka's advice was right. If, if you're in a situation at a fraternity or somewhere where you're not quite sure where that drink's being poured, opt for a closed bottle, like a closed beer or, you know, a Coca-Cola or a bottle of water. I mean, remember, it's not just alcohol that gets drugged. It can be any kind of drink. So opting for the closed sealed beverage is, is the safest. Okay. I know this sounds weird. That might sound weird, but never drink out of an open punch bowl. So, you know, in the day, there always used to be those open punch bowls and, you know, the, People used to spike, you know, you bring your little flask and, uh, you know, you, you, at the parties and you, you know, um, spike the, the punch bowl. But in this day and age, you just can't. And also, like when you're going to big parties and there's a champagne fountain or even a chocolate fountain, I mean, reconsider if you're in a public place, you know, what could be going on? What could be dropped into those different types of group uh, fountains? Um, and the biggest thing is when in doubt, pour it out. If you've taken your eye off the drink, if, if you, you know, forgot, left it, oh darn it, I don't, I don't know. Or if you take a little sip and, and it tastes weird or whatever, go with your gut and when in doubt, pour it out. Do not drink it. And the most important, if you feel like you've been drugged, you need to get to a hospital immediately, as we said, and ask be adamant about getting a urine test because the drugs don't stay in your system long. You want a urine test that you can use for evidence for the police. So um, for more information, if you go to safetychick.com, safetychick.com on my blog, I have a whole blog on um, drape, rape drugs and drug facilitated um, assaults. So you can get all the tips and the hotlines and different numbers off of there. So, you know, I, I love all the messages that I've been getting on, on my different social media. It, I, I really appreciate the comments. And actually, the, you know, I've gotten a lot of people writing in saying, hey, do a show on this or do a show on that, which I'm, I'm happy to do. And also I've gotten, like I said, a lot of um, questions and concerns about people, whether you're being stalked or uh, domestic violence issues or um, you know, identity theft issues. Always feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm the safety chick on Twitter. I'm the safety chick. My uh, Facebook is Kathleen Gallagher, the safety chick. And of course, safetychick.com. Thanks so much for viewing and uh, until next time. 